So, um, sometimes in these uh, sessions, um, and various forms of agitation, disturbance rise up, of course. And we can look for what am I supposed to do about this? And, and some of these may be personal, domestic issues, and can be embodied tensions and physical problems um, or challenges. Uh, it could be global situation in the world. So we see it, hear it. And there's energies, disturbance, agitation. <clears throat> because we're actually giving attention to an area that is disturbed and uh, um, fragmented. So in that you can only really experience some degree of fragmentation because that's the fragmented cosmos that one is attending to. And fragmented in terms of self and other. That's a that's a big crack, isn't it? Separation. Fragmented in terms of life and death. There are those who have died or dying, losing, lost, broken up, broken. Mm. Fragmented in terms of our relationship to our bodies. We try, we sit on top of them, outside them, trying to make them work. That's a big break, isn't it? The mind is separate from the body. You must hear the crack. Mm. Mm. Human beings living somehow separate from the earth, you know, dominating it, exploiting it, not listening to it. Another massive fragment. Mm. One group of humans calling themselves this nation or this country. A few miles away, there are another nation, another country. Borderline crack, fragmentation, discord. And so on and so on and so on. And then of course, that within the mind, or within that immaterial intelligence, how do I deal with my emotions, my feelings, uh, my anguish? How do I deal with that fragment? Who's separate, you know, I trying to be separate from it to make it work? Well, there's a, you know, there's a crack there, isn't there? <laughs> Between so-called me and my mind, or my emotions, or my energies, or something. And operating from that paradigm, one can't really expect a great deal of healing. So, uh, how do I meditate? How do I meditate so that I can kind of get my energies to settle down, you know, my body to feel comfortable enough, uh, get the heart to be malleable, mollified, happy, comfortable, cleaned, defilements. How do I make it like that? How do I get to that? Which stage first? 
which order, which process, which system to use to, to make that occur so that with perseverance I might finally arrive at somewhere more fruitful. Well, there's a fragmentation there. There's me, and how do I work with my body, my mind, my thought, my feelings. (laughs) As soon as you own something, you separate yourself from it. Isn't that strange? And as soon as you claim ownership of something, that very act separates. And yet we think it bonds. But it's a bond of control, not a bond of true union. You can't own something. (laughs) Anyway, but that relationship implies I, it, I own it, I make it, I here now will be something else in the future. There's a time crack break, isn't there? Me in the present, me in the future. This world of fragmentation, cosmos of fragmentation. Mm. So certainly, you know, because that's the one we're used to and speak about and everything operates in that world. Well, everything but what we give attention to <laughs> by and large put it that way and the social mainstream is is the is the broken and complaining and blaming and uh, feeling lost and confused in that as indeed how could it be any other way <laughs> So in some ways, you know, okay, so how do you meditate? Let's just take it down. This is kind of what this thing's about, I guess. <laughs> well, all right, then just go to the wholeness. Wait a minute, you lost me there. <laughs> Start with the wholeness rather than the fragment. Okay, let's take a kind of a a microcosm of the wholeness, because it's all microcosm expanding. Take whole body. Yeah, that's... uh, There you go. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Uh, So it means, you know, not go to this bit, then that bit, then this bit, and and add it up, but just the whole thing in in one take. Jumped into a swimming pool. You jumped into a swimming pool, right? You don't say, where's my elbow, where's my finger? You just jump in the swimming pool, it's all there, right? right? So it's something like that. I know this isn't so easy because of our attention. See, our attention is part of the fragmentation. Our attention, if you notice it, primarily breaks things up, doesn't it? Like if I give attention to this cushion, then I ignore the rest of it. You want to give attention to that, visual attention to that, then these people around it kind of fade into a blur in the background. That starts to glow. So basically I ignore 
and focus on 5%. That's our normal mode of attention, isn't it? You're looking at words on a page, you're going down to like really tiny percentages. And the eyes can do that. And because the eye, the visual organ of the eye, is the leader of our sense basis, normally, for a normal person, if they've got vision, of course, then that becomes, that model of attention is the model we refer to when we say, you know, focus, watch what you're doing, observe your thoughts, watch what's going on. So what happens? We do the zoom in. And that way we'll get concentrated. We can ignore the discursive, random, weird phenomena, get concentrated on that one particular object. Um, And that would probably be a reasonable summary of, of how to meditate. I'm not prepared to do that to people. (laughs) <laughs> it's your choice of course but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna responsible for it <laughs> what do you leave out what's the 95% that's left out what doesn't fit into that that we quite intensely sometimes push out those squirmy feelings, those twittery thoughts, <laughs> those uncomfortable shadows. What do we, what do we leave out? Uh, so no, just again, you know, if I want any backing, I can't find anywhere in the suttas. Which I move through periodically over 45 years or so. Can't find anywhere where the Buddha says focus in that way. Never, he never says focus on a point, I haven't found it. He never says observe your thoughts. I never found that. He does say things like directly knowing, pajanati. He does say things like thoroughly sensitive to, sensing, touching the deathless. He does say things like that. He does say things like be aware of sensing the breathing in your entire body. He does say that. He does say soothing the entire kaya sankara, bodily energy, nervous energy, chakras, meridians, however you want to call it, subtle body. He does say that. Mm. So definitely something's happening there, being done, if you like, or being activated or set moving. He does say, you know, clear, clear the chitta of contaminating influences. He does say that. He does say lift up the beautiful and the good. Mm. So certainly, you know, there's some activations going on there. 
And if you notice the model, it's very much more like uh, not the way that the eyes see things, or the eyes represent the world. The nearest sense space that I can find is touch. Tactile sense. Which actually is more, more acute than the eyes. According to you know, experimentation, they say you're, you're, the skin on your fingers can detect things your eyes cannot see. It's that sensitive, that refined. But you don't have to scrunch your hands up in order to sense something. Mm. Because the, and the sense base of the skin is intensely receptive. It doesn't do anything. It receives, it receives, it receives. And it's intimate. It connects. Absolutely. Connects to coolness, warmth, other skin, externally. It feels the coolness. It feels the space. And internally, the skin sensing what's underneath, the pressures, the beats, the pulses, the rhythms, the fluidities, through that whole medium. Get in touch, I would say. Avijja, not in touch. Vijja, clarity, getting in touch. Whereas the eye, with the visual eye, you can see things that don't see you. Things are always at a distance. You know, notice with your eyes, if things get very close, you can no longer see them. You can't see something five millimeters away from you. You just can't track it. Things get to be about five centimeters, so forth. Yeah, I can manage that. Get too close, I can't see you. (laughs) And I can feel a place where you can't see me distance. The eyes create distance, separation. Anything intimate they can't track. Skin, everything is intimate. Whatever I touch, touches me. No choice. So around that, as you can very well imagine, it's quite a big emotional shift. Mm. Because I see things, okay, it's out there. Mm -hmm. Look the other way, close my eyes. I can't close my skin. <laughs> so, the emotional resonance is the emotional receptivity behind the skin is, you know, way up. Uh, so, what touches your skin touches your heart. And heart is one word I'm using to talk about chitta. Uh, And it's not an ample word, but it's probably better than most. 
because one feature of it is it it's um, it, it is a profoundly affected profoundly sensitive and expresses itself it resonates shivers it trembles mm. it's the basis of the where intention leaps from it's the basis where perception lands feeling lands oh I'm touched I'm touched Chitta. and so this is the uh, sense that can be cleared, cleaned of uh, its stress, its contortions, its fear its struggle, its entanglement it's being choked, it's mutedness, it's where it's constantly receiving fragmentation, discord as standard experience. Separation And the teaching is that this sometimes uh, agitated and frightened center is that which can be nourished, purified, freed. Nothing can do you so much good. Nothing as a purified citta. Nothing can do you so much good. Mm. This is your primary concern, you could say. Mm. Nothing can support us so much as the well-tuned jitta of another person. Nothing can do us so much good. Mm. Interesting enough, uh, you know, it's one of the resources, the good heart of another when all the systems break down, and all the fragmentations break down, it's the good heart of another. Mm. So this, I'm sure we're all aware, this is which we wish to encourage. Mm. Getting in touch with, even in its painful, anguished, stressing experiences, in there, in there, don't be ashamed of it. Don't sit on top of it. Get in touch with it. Because this um, chitta does not connect to the sense realm directly, it's not a sense organ. Sense organs simply listed. It's again the visual organ, the auditory, um, olfactory smell, gustatory taste, touch, and conceiving mind, measuring mind. Sense organ of the measuring mind. 
which uh, moves around the other senses, interpreting sights, interpreting visual fields into discrete sights. Okay, so the eyes see light and dark. Yeah. The mind using the focus called manasikara, attention, manas, manas the mind, think measuring mind, manasikara, its activation, which is attention. So it forms a, a focus, this cushion, this sheet, this person's face, this idea, you know, crystallizes around that. It creates phenomena. We may think phenomena are out there, and there's a basis for it. Certainly there's the conditions for phenomena to arise. But if we go to the eye, for example, just have the eyes into total vision from one corner of the eye to the other, you realize the objects all go into a, fur, a, bl- a blurred field. Mm-hmm. The eyes don't see, they receive light, and the mind, through attention, derives shapes, distinctive shapes, phenomena arise. That's called attention. Manasikara, and as it derives a shape, there's a particular inclination coming from the chitta, find me what's frightening, what's happy, what's comfortable, what's necessary out there, because I can't see anything. Okay, what about one of those? Pops it in, perception arises, the mind takes that visual object, and moulds it into uh, something that's like something else that reminds me of a man or of a cushion or of a book drops it into the chitta chitta, oh, what's that? <laughs> you know, and then it resonates that's how it occurs mm. and so and then as it Resonance occurs as some sort of activation, agreement, disagreement, uncertainty, and then moves into forms of inclination and intention. Uh, But this is cyclical in that the citta definitely has some agendas. Give me security, give me comfort, give me what, you know. And it sends that signal out and the mind is looking around for where that could be, or even where it isn't. Don't go there. That's not going to do you any good. So you're doing that. Mm. It's on that mission. Mm. Mm. Of course, what it doesn't really know, the chitta that's confused, that the real security and comfort's in itself. This is what birth is about. We come into a sense fields. Oh, and there's a massive disorientation birth. Mm. But here it is. Mm. So in this uh, experience, the birth experience, it's said to be the birth experience is the arising 
or a formulation of five aggregates, which is not a statement about our identity, not a person, not a statement about reality. It's a statement of how experience is formulated out of this questionable conditionality of, you know, what is it? (laughs) Once you relax your attention or see attention is very uh, biased, what actually is around? Apart from my interests and my biases and my fears and my those whatever, those have dropped what's there. Oof. Don't really know. Mm. So, so jitta then, that's kind of one of the reasons why we relax attention. It doesn't mean fall asleep, it means just let the focus be quite soft just what you need to give a sense of attentiveness. So attentiveness is called um, a pamada. I mean, be attentive. I mean, yes, you wake up. But like waking up, it's not to a particular thing. It's just the state of wakefulness. That's attentive. And you just have something to kind of orient around. So, okay, body here, um, in the sense basis, more profoundly, more usefully, more globally orient inwardly ethical harmlessness, non-abuse, non-exploitation, non-domination, non-contamination. Orient, that's a much more reliable orientation. If you're looking for real orientation, that's really, that's the, that's the best for orientation. But it, of course, in itself is inadequate because we're in a sense world as well. So you're going to get that sense, okay, body, because the body, whole body with its skin boundary will certainly give you that sense of connection, intimacy, sensitivity, in touch, and recognizing to extremely fine degrees of um, what's abusive, what's comfortable, what one res- what's resisting, what's open. getting those signals and we have the ethical orientation and dwelling in that quality of harmlessness and getting the signaling which can actually take a little bit of time to get first the you know the internal interoceptive sense which is the body's internal sense there's a pressure. You don't have to strain. You don't have to achieve. Let those muscles ease up, you know? Loosen the guts. Let's kind of go a bit, you know, warm up internally. Give yourself time to let that happen. You know, because the average person is pressurized. And even when you've come out of the office job, blah, 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 Still, there's that cramping effect can still be be kind of embedded, almost blueprinted, onto the subtle system. It perhaps has never really known much other than different kinds of pressure. <laughs> so to come into a no pressure is a bit like coming up from, you know, the depths. You get you get the bends. 
Everybody starts going, well, where am I supposed to be? <laughs> Internally, so okay, well, they're just going to the external body. Okay, feet on the ground, bottom on the cushion, back. Yeah, widen the chest. Take a breath. Proprioceptive sense. Nobody's bothering me. Space is clear, there's no intrusion. It's keeping those safety signals so the system can kind of start to orient around healing, wholeness, non-discord, non-abuse, non-domination, non-pollution, non-pressure. It's giving a chance to settle into that. Even though this is not by any means the end of the story, but it's a very useful, necessary um, template. And it's not to be overlooked by, okay, let's crack out some meditation. This this can be something itself, it can be quite, it's already quite a journey. Quite a journey. I mean, I've taught people who said they could not feel their feet. Their body, their body, the somatic body had contracted so much that it left the feet altogether. They couldn't get much below the diaphragm. It was just a kind of dislocated head. <laughs> took two or three years of practice to get feet. And I remember one woman I was teaching, how do I relax? How do I relax? How do I relax? I said, what do you sort of relax? But how do I relax? I'm trying to relax. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, well, feel your feet. Feet? What feet? (laughs) And after two years, walking up and down she felt her feet and they were lovely feet they were springy feet they were feet that enjoyed the earth and she'd, she'd le- left them years ago she'd left them behind because she was always off her feet yeah the language speaks for itself doesn't it you're running off your feet yeah. so it's coming back into that it's quite a journey because how do you do it? You don't do it. Widen, open receptors, the receptive sense, the receptive sense. And we have the doing sense, which is its values, and we have the receptive sense, which is probably, could use some improvement. Put it that way, room to develop. Yeah. So the more that the doing sense predominates, as I imagine we'd all recognize that's a very powerful um, agent in our lives, work, get ahead, progress, do, 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 you do that, and then you do, do your work, in the evening you go out and do entertaining, 
do some dating and do some exercise and do some studying and then do some this and then do some meditation and do do some more of this and then correct your speech and then get your health together do that and then do your diet and then do your this and do that and do that. <laughs> And some of it's quite well-intentioned. It's always do. Uh, so maybe we do have to do something, just but then really what we're doing is just enough to kind of stimulate the receptors, stimulate the receptors. So do sitting. How do I sit? Well, sit. If I how just. Well, your bodies know how to sit. Get it so that your body feels good when it sits. More detail. No, you don't want any more detail because your head will take over. <laughs> Trust your body sits. Then I'll give you some detail, but just really enough just to keep asking your body, how do you want to sit? How do you want to stand? What works? Where is a and there's a possibility for this to feel fluid, comfortable, yeah, steady. You know, sit in a chair, sit in how you want. Just move, incline in that way. And it may not happen first day, but that's going to be that's the movement towards more whole sitting, whereby the your your sitting includes the ground beneath you. Your standing includes the space around you. It's unbroken. No division, no breaking. Or acknowledge where the breaking occurs. And how's that? How's that? Or is it just a kind of subtle, careful delineation? This is internal, that's external. They're in harmony. Mm. Get the receptors going. And, as I said, main receptors, the sense organ is the skin. And that tunes directly into the chitta. Because this is the, you know, okay, so before we got the language, as individual or even as a species, before we got before we got the language as individual species, right? Moved around, we touched things, we smelled things, we tasted things, and we sensed threat, comfort, and so forth, very intimately. We were held as tiny ones, and the more were more we were held more comfortable, more settled, more established, our form became. If babies are not held, their form, their internal form, is not settled. It's not quite settled. It has to be held to fully open into 
in, in proprioceptive around me is okay if around me is okay within me is okay interoceptive and uh, that is the that's that's where the the chitta is established in that relationship sensing internal external harmony okay or something not okay so for example and this is where of course the whole system of the measuring mind is useful it sees a, a bear bear boom danger oops before the bear gets up to me I don't have to wait till it's grabbing hold of me before I get the signal this is a problem <laughs> yeah so that's useful we get the signal and alarm and the jitter jumps let's get out of here acts as the as the messenger for action mm. and this system is so uh, tuned that sometimes the body will jump even before you recognize it the instinctive jumps now that's that's you know where that primary intelligence is about sensitivity receiving first and then responding in a highly <laughs> activated world we often respond first before we receive it we're already on you know got to do this got to get this done before we've really even received it so receptor so slowing down taking receptivity response around very moderate things moving around being aware of other people hearing bells you know, sharing space with other people feeling comfortable you know, moving around slowly because that's um, reassuring mm. there's something to be reminded of in that because again one of the standard meditation models for people is get off on your own, quiet place, close the door, shut down, fine. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe. If everything's clean and comfortable. Yeah. But if not, <laughs> it's good to be in a murmuring environment that gently murmurs it's okay out here mm, fine welcome move around your presence is seen known we're happy with that mm. that should be that's what sangha should be about <laughs> because it's uh it's it's that proprioceptive sense feeling the otherness around me non-intrusive, non-obstructive, non-afflictive, in fact kind of gently welcoming and affirmative doesn't ask anything of me apart from the present the, the signal, that's what companionship is about mm. and that's the sense of settling in now from a fragmented model we still tend to get the sense of 
you know, well, people out there, yeah, very nice person, thank you very much. If you could just please don't make noise. You know, please could you not get up in the middle of the sitting and sit on the chair? It's just us getting, you know, thank you. Could you just put your shoes so I don't have to find my shoes underneath? Could you not flush the toilet in the middle of the night? I love you, but could you not kind of snore, <laughs> move around? <laughs> could you not blunder past me when I'm sitting on my cushion and I feel your your blanket swish against me? <laughs> no. Why do I have to come and meditate with so many clumsy, brutal, stupid people? Or <laughs> well, we could go, well, you know, People are moving around, there's a bit of blanket touches me, oh, she's around, it's lovely. You know, it's like a reassuring senses and maybe the heart feeling some happiness and compassion and, oh well, sometimes nights are like that, you know. You know being able to kind of feel unjangled by contact. This is a journey, definitely. Not saying, do this. This is the journey. The receptivity expands the point when the receptivity is even stronger than what's being received. Yes, you also receive the silences, the spaces, and the sense of being bright and comfortable in your space. There's a bit of sound, a bit of sound, a bit of this, that, and the other, but it's just kind of pinging away on the surface. Because your receptors have opened up to the point where they're enjoying themselves. What it's like just to not not to to be scurrying around, defending yourself, (laughs) making things better. (laughs) That sense. This is quite pivotal then. Mm. The jitta receives and it responds and the highly activated jitta tends to do more responding almost as a knee-jerk before things are really needed I do this myself you know, worrying, planning, be okay check around this, that, this, that, this yes, you know, it's not bad, it's just that's what let me see, acute sense of concern I'm not trying to fix it, I note that, and I give myself, and I say, okay, just trust, 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 yeah, and be there, and see what we can do, what could be possible. Now, you know, so when we're kind of, big challenge is, of course, receiving, you know, and what we receive is the ways in which the citta has cognized experience or formulated experience. So formulated in terms of these forms, experiences, the presence of something, the absence of something, form, very fundamental. Physical form, subtle form, energetic form, you could even say emotional form, something comes into place, something is establish itself to become present. How has it become present through consciousness? Something places itself 
places it there for you. Oh. Mm. So those two. And then within that, within those two bookends, you've got the how consciousness calibrates that perception. Means this, feeling. It feels like that. What am I going to do about it? Activation. Yeah, so there's five aggregates. And as I was saying the other day, each of those is, a, is quite a complex weave of um, different kinds of form, different bases of consciousness, sight, sound, touch, taste, so on. Different kinds of perceptions based upon sight, sound, thought, uh, and different calibrations of feeling, pleasant, unfeeling, pleasant feeling, unpleasant feeling, neutral feeling. And then perceptions which frighten, terrify, gladden, comfort, reassure, you know. We, in Buddhism you do lists, you do lists big time. <laughs> but we'll, we'll abbreviate. Because the main one, the hinge one, is Sankara activation. So this is where activation, oh, again, it's, <laughs> it's the best I can do. I'll try to keep working on it. But it's both uh, the, um, the process of something rising, an energy rising, a movement of energy, Beyond, a little bit beyond feelings, a movement of energy that aims for action. Whether it perfect, completes the action or not, it aims for action. It aims to speak. It aims to act. It aims to defend. It aims to accumulate, to acquire. It aims to, it aims. As intention, sankara. It also formulates. That's one of those. So attention is a sankara. It's an action. You see? Attention is an action. Attend to that. That's an action. Anything that has an action in it, sankara. And then sankara is active and then gets established. Boom. That is definitely there. My sankara holds that as a definite thing. And holding it as a definite thing, I then feed from that different kinds of perceptions and feelings from what I've attended to. The Sankara is then pretty crucial in establishing the cosmos, our, our, our world, you know, our direct empirical reality. Right? It directs, it has, a, it has an interest, and it directs and it takes, and therefore perception lands. As perception lands, meaning lands, feeding lands, the message comes, drop that, go somewhere else, or get into that. You know, so it's continually also being fed. So it's the communication uh, process. Yeah. And uh, so, <laughs> and this is uh, very much the sense of, uh, come with that, mm, I am, I'm doing. It's happening to me, and I am. Now, jitta is the sense of the I before doing anything. It's the I before I am. And so we ask, using a word not as a statement, but just as a pointer, when we ask ourselves, who am I? Where am I? How do I feel? 
you keep saying that word I, I, that will take you to jitta, which is just starts to tremble when it hears that sound. Very subjective sense. And so then that jitta then reaches out, I do, sankara, I focus, yeah, and then I'm feeling, and then I am this in this web. So then Sankara is a lead role in formulating the chitta. The chitta asks for formulation, creates these formulating processes, and then becomes formed within the formulations of the aggregates. But the chitta is not the aggregates. And there's, there's the release. Uh, not, the, the Buddha is quite clear. He says, you know, if you say, does the, does the Tathagata have the aggregates? No. Does he not have the aggregates? No. Huh? <laughs> does he have neither have or not have? No. <laughs> so it's, it's not an ownership relationship. <laughs> yeah, it's a sense of this, these formulations can arise. Mm. And then, yeah. And then there can be the clinging to them where it's just a compulsive reflex formulation or something that's a little more tuned in touch. What's helpful, what's appropriate, what's useful, what's mm, for one's welfare. This is called skillful sankara, wholesome, that which really gets in touch and formulates in accordance with what's most harmonious. Mm-hmm. So that, okay, we say something like perceptions based upon goodwill, perceptions based upon compassion. Very simple, you know, to see someone with the eye of compassion rather than see them with a critical eye, to hear someone with a with a ear of loving kindness rather than a, what the hell is she going on about? <laughs> yeah. So, Right? So we hear it from, when we get out that behind our ears, then the message comes through slightly differently. You know, sister was saying the other night, uh, Laura was saying the other night, you know, when does the rain, what does the rain do to the cootie? You drop a rain on your face, the cootie becomes a lovely warm place. You know, so with a hot drink in it. Right? So, so the Sankara created yeah, that in there. Mm. Now, of course, we could rejoice in the rain. <laughs> if it was if it was a hot day and it was gentle rain, we might rejoice in that. Mm. And so, that, but then really learning to, we can, we can adjust the sankara, and so adjusting it. And this is one of the primary ways of adjustment, isn't it? Towards ethical sense, then towards true heart sense, loving kindness sense, good heartedness. You know, that, suddenly you hear that way, it's slightly different. You know, that irritating person is someone with a problem. Oh dear. You know, <laughs> and, uh, compassion. Right? And that's going to affect everything. And not only does it affect everything, it, it, it affects me. Because I'm no longer feeling 
so frustrated, annoyed, disappointed, um, put upon, I'm feeling, oh, I, 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 I can bring forth something uh, that that's spans the differences and brings us together. I can bring forth compassion. Healing cosmos. Right. No. So skillful, unskillful, the opposite. So sankara really is so crucial in, uh, in because it's the direct reverberation of the citta. So in really asking the citta not to just be blind, but to take that moment, settle into its comfort place, and then come from there. But of course, the, the comfortable place, I suggest, really has to come first. Because until you get somewhere where you're, your feet are on the ground, it's a difficult to really bring forth the best. And, you know, so because we don't have to be perfect, if you get one foot on the ground, <laughs> it's better than none. <laughs> And then a little, a little bit more. And so every time that occurs, you kind of sense that. How, how was I then? And I was a little bit bigger, a little bit wider, a little bit more fruitful and, and endowed and amplified and abundant than I was when I was in that state of feeling nervy and upset. And you know, I felt kind of contracted. So you get skillful as unskillful. Sankara also comes with these three forms of it. The Kaya Sankara body, we're talking about the body energy, reflexes, subtle body, Chitta Sankara, the heart language, uh, and Vajji Sankara, the verbal language, the verbal utterances, the verbalization, the speech, and the thought. And again, we kind of check the thought. And we use here, we use thought, the Vajji Sankara. Predominantly, we use that as the inquiry. I mean, so a lot of stuff's babbling and burbling away. Yeah, that's the way it goes. That's the kind of debris. That's the, you know, how is that? What's that? How is that? How does that feel? Then you're using the Vajji Sankara to turn back from disconnecting into what could be, should be, might be. I think what I think what I think you think about me. <laughs> what I think you might want me to do, which is just what I think you might be offended by, oh my goodness. You know. <laughs> So, how do you feel? How's the feeling? Anxious. Okay. Anxiety. Ah. Oh. Again, how's it feel? Anxious. Mm. Jitta Sankara. Trembly. How's that in your body? Oh, body? Yeah, your body. Oh. Uh, sort of. Hmm. I suppose you feel a bit sort of tight or 
queasy or something. Mm. So you really want to take use that Bhaji Sankara as a it's precious thought is a precious quality rather than just this spew. So you know, it's not about not thinking, but being able to train the thinking more and more to listen to itself. What are you trying to say? Frustration, not enough, can't get it. Ah, oh. too much, I'm overloaded. Can't manage them. Can't manage. It's too much. Ah, oh, how's that? Overloaded. How's that? Oh, really difficult to to hear. Really difficult to hear. Okay, and so just leave that there. Now around you, how is it now? So okay, around you. Okay, tune into that. Don't dismiss the thought, don't dismiss the mood. Around me is okay. Yeah, settling. Within, disturbed. Around me is okay. Within, disturbed. Breathing in, breathing out. Breathing in, breathing out. Breathing in from the outside. Breathing out. Just that sense of connected, not disconnected. Normally when I get upset, I disconnect. When I get upset, I disconnect. I go shrivel. I contract. I get prickly. I feel a bit lost. You know, I contract inwardly. So the sense of just, okay, well, connecting to that and whole body and whole body is in a space around it. Let's just establish connection and give it some trust. Connection is what we need, not an answer. This is not the language of a fragmented cosmos, which always has tons and tons of answers. We just want connection. Connection energetically then. This healing begins on an energetic level with this ground, the space. Oh. There's an otherness which is non-conflicting. And tuning into that, the proprioceptive sense on the body comes internal through the sensitivities, soothing. We get some sense of a soothing, okay medium within which our anxiety can be held. And rather like when you put ice into water, hot warm water, it slowly blends and the warm water does not judge the ice it doesn't try to make the ice other than it is its nature is warm 
and blending. So frozen bits are accepted. Please come in. Mm. Breathing in, breathing out. You know, with this, you can begin the healing. The healing can continue. This is what really the quest, wholeness, healing, completion, resolution, everything seeks resolution, harmony, our body seeks homeostasis, the emotion seeks resolution. That means however that happens, if it has to come by touching into our anger and frustration, so be it. It comes it has to come through handling or meeting our despair, so be it. it has to be that way. That's what we call the open agenda. But, you know, you don't have to sort of lather it on. There's enough around. (laughs) So, you know, we we touch the knot, we unravel the knot that comes to us. You take the the one that they have their own process first, this one. You undo that one, which could be the knot of, you know, I don't know what to do. Something okay, how's that feel? Mm-hmm. So, you take it that then begin to trust the process that this isn't about knowing what to do, this is about knowing how to be, sensing how to be. Um, having trust and confidence in it. <laughs> 